It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Jamie Carlson, registered and licensed dietitian. And this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and therapeutic nutrition counseling. So my co-host today is Brenna Thompson, who is also a licensed and registered dietitian. And together we both see clients like all around the Twin Cities and all around the world, don't we, Brenna? We do. They come from everywhere. Yeah, it's great. Good morning, Jamie. I think today's show is going to be very interesting and probably very eye-opening for a lot of women and girls. Yeah, I would agree. Um, today's topic is actually really based on your story, Brenna, right, in your health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one that more women have probably experienced that we really realize. Um, it boils down to the connections between the diet, exercise, hormones, and bone health. Yeah, that would be it. And I understand. I think you've also had some yeah, experience definitely. in this area, too. Unfortunately, actually. <laughs> right. And to make these connections, I'm just going to take listeners all the way back to when I was in junior high. So a long, long, long time ago, (laughs) but not really. (laughs) But so I was in junior high and decided that I wanted to run on the track team because I had never really been involved in any organized sport before. Um, I didn't really have that eye hand or eye foot coordination. (laughs) Yeah, it's like run in a straight line and then turn left. I can do that. So. Decided I was pretty good at running, and I signed up for the track team. And by the end of my eighth grade track season, I had developed some really nasty shin splints. And for people who don't know what a shin splint is, that is pain and inflammation on the front of your lower leg. And it was so bad that I ended up dropping off the cross-country team the summer before my freshman year. So Mm. I really hoped. I was like, oh, you know, going to go on, run on the freshman team. I was really excited. And halfway through the summer, it was just like I it was just it was too painful to walk, couldn't run any of that. So I didn't run for the rest of the fall or winter. Yeah, that seems that seems so young too to have that kind of an injury. It does. right? As like a middle school, you hear that a lot in high school cross country. Mm -hmm. But so and that must have been really hard for you, right? Because I know you love you love to be active to exercise and being outside. So that must have been a tough time. I think we all do it. Weight and wellness. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And and it was really hard. And unfortunately, the pain returned the following spring during my freshman track season. And after weeks of trying to ease the pain with rest, ice baths, and ibuprofen and physical therapy from our athletic trainers, they finally recommended that I go be seen by a doctor. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it sounds like you were doing a lot, like being proactive, trying to reduce inflammation in, in ways that were told, right? Rest, ice, yeah, ibuprofen. Ice. Yes. Um, what else did the doctor have you do? Well, the doctor had me go in for an x-ray, and that really didn't show anything. They rarely do unless you have, like, a major Yeah, like a break. break. Mm -hmm. Yes. So after getting kind of that negative x-ray back, they sent me in for an MRI, and it turned out that I didn't have shin splints at all. (laughs) I actually had a stress fracture in my lower tibia. Oh, my gosh. And the MRI also showed that the supposed shin splints from the year before were also actually a double stress fracture, so two breaks. In the other leg, which would explain why I'd been in so much pain. How could you even walk with that? <laughs> I'm not really sure, but that the double stress fracture, the first one that I had had, um, had healed over that winter when yeah. I wasn't running. But it, 
obviously was showing that I did not have some very strong bones. Yeah, and it didn't heal properly. Mm-mm. So for everyone, a, a stress fracture is, like Brenna was saying, like a bone. Um, it doesn't break all the way through, but instead, like, it kind of occurs over time. So it appears this may be a small crack in the bone. Um, and like Brenna said, like, hers were missed on x-rays. And I think they often are because it's really yeah. hard to see that light up, I think, on the x-ray. It is. It's really hard to see it light up on an x-ray. And so the MRI is when you go in and they would first do the scan. Yeah. And then they would inject you with this um, radioactive Some dye, dye yeah. basically. <laughs> And you come back two hours later, they do the scan again, and it's like that dye goes to that fracture. Yeah, goes and, to that inflamed part. Mm-hmm, yep. And it kind of lights up on the MRI. So, Brenna, tell our audience, how how does someone heal properly from a stress fracture? From a stress fracture. Yeah, maybe not the way that they told you to heal from it. <laughs> it may not have, yeah. So, I had to wear a big black boot, and I'm sure people have seen <laughs> others yes. walking around with these yes. before. And I had to wear that for a good six weeks, and it had these big Velcro straps on it, and I could take it on and off so I could climb up in. Well, I think I had a lofted bed at the time, and so we had to move the mattress from the loft, like, onto the floor. (laughs) Slumber party on the ground. Yeah, it was a a slumber party every night. And then to take a shower, I could take it off to do that. Yeah. Um, But we had, like, this little stool that I had to sit on in the shower because I couldn't stand on my leg. For six and weeks. For six weeks. <laughs> a long time. It was a long time. And, of course, no running and no other real activities without it. Yeah. And, unfortunately, I ended up wearing that lovely boot and going through that protocol another two times before I finished mm. high school. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, bone health is not a strong feature of your body to start with, right? Nope, um, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, too, have dealt with similar issues in this, similar issues like this. I had two stress fractures. I was a cross-country and track runner in high school and mm-hmm. college as well. And so it must be the sport a little bit, I too. think it's some of the sport. Um, so, and my treatment was the same. It was time off of running. It was wearing those lovely boots for a while. And they had told me to take calcium, too. So, Lucky you. Yes. yes. So, um, but our listeners might start to be wondering, you know, how does this relate to the topic, you know, that we're talking about today? How does this relate to hormones? Well, we're getting there. So by my junior year in high school, I had had another two stress fractures. They kind of bounced back and forth between the legs. And the last one, I can honestly say it didn't even hurt. Like I didn't get to the point of it being painful. I could just tell I went out for a run one day, I think on the weekend. Yeah. And I came back and I looked at my dad and I go, dad, I got another one. Mm -hmm. Because I could just tell from my stride the way it had changed. Yeah. Um, It was like hard to go up and down inclines. And he goes, you've got to be kidding. Yeah. Uh, So I think we maybe went to the doctor for that one. Yeah. And saw my, um, oh, what is it? The, like a sir, um, not a surgeon. Um, oh, I forget what he was, but anyway, they went in, kind of looked at it. He felt around, pressed yeah. on a couple of spots and he goes, yeah, you probably got another oh. one. So. And so did, did anyone over all this time recommend like, maybe don't run for a while until we get this stuff figured out? Well, yeah, I think I had a couple people who kind of said, oh, well, have you ever thought about not running? Yeah. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to make that decision when you're younger. Yeah. When you're, you know, 15. Yeah. It just, no. Yeah. You don't make that decision. Mm-mm. And during the years, you know, my doctor, oh, my orthopedic surgeon, that's what it was, determined that I had flat feet. And they really thought that the reason I was getting these stress fractures was because my flat feet would pull on the tendons and the ligaments and cause a lot of stress and inflammation Mm -hmm. going up my shin. And that was kind of torquing the bones incorrectly. And that's what was causing the stress fractures. So they tried making, I don't know how many different 
special orthotics to put yeah, in my running shoes. Expensive too. They are really expensive. Mm-hmm. And kept trying these different running shoes, different orthotics, but it just wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And finally, at the end of my junior year in high school, my doctor decided to put me on the birth control pill to increase my estrogen and progesterone. Hmm. So, so I can get that connection, but let's let's explain to women why um, why this is happening because I think a lot of people probably have a maybe a niece or a granddaughter or a daughter that this has happened to. Um, we probably have a lot of runners out there. Um, so, women need estrogen um, to help grab calcium and actually pull it to, into their bones and deposit it there. So. But oftentimes, due to exercise, um, female athletes actually stop menstruating um, as a way to decrease uh, the calorie the calorie deficient deficit uh, deficit. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, however, this actually ends up placing them at risk for bone fractures and osteoporosis uh, because they're not producing enough estrogen to deposit that calcium into their bones. Exactly, and it's called the female athlete triad, and it occurs when a woman is not consuming enough food to meet her calorie needs. Mm -hmm. And when this happens, the body stops any unnecessary processes such as estrogen and progesterone production. Yeah, so so we can tell the body's really smart, right, in times of high stress um, or starvation. And that's what is maybe happening when someone's exercising too much and not eating enough. They're not starving themselves, but it's your body feels like it's in a starvation mode. And so at that point, the last thing your body cares about is making or growing a baby, right? Right. It's just like, yeah. nope, we Which don't. Which is ha- a good thing. We'd rather have it focus on the bones than, yes, we would rather than have making it hormones. Keep you alive than try to procreate yeah. at that point. Yep. But it is time for our first break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you or someone in your house is an athlete, avid exerciser, or weekend warrior, let me recommend a great tasting product that helps replenish electrolytes and carbohydrates during and after exercise. It's called Endura. We carry both the orange and lemon flavor in our offices. This powder also contains citric acid, taurine, and L-carnosine, nutrients shown to improve water absorption and minimize muscle damage during exercise. You can purchase it in any of our offices or go online at weightandwellness.com. Now, if you've got questions for me and Jamie today, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. If you changed your nutrition, could it change your life? What if I told you that you could change your life just by learning the secrets of balanced eating? Nutritional Weight and Wellness can teach you how. They will do an individual consultation for you, your husband, or your children. They will create an eating plan that fits your lifestyle. Whether you're experiencing migraines or sleeplessness, depression, digestive problems, fatigue, anxiety, or need help with weight loss, nutrition can change all of that. More than 90% of all health conditions can be traced back to nutritional issues. Let Nutritional Weight and wellness help you call 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com to schedule your individual consultation at an office near you that's weightandwellness.com let nutritional weight and wellness help you 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com to schedule your individual consultation that's weightandwellness.com We're talking about the bone, bone, about bone health and hormones today. So let me suggest some great bone building foods to add to your diet. Um, you know, we had a question coming in about men, and so you know, why are men getting stress fractures? So potentially these could be some things that would help them with that as well. Some right. of these more bone building foods. Yes. Um, so how about trying trying to add like salmon or tuna to your plate? Um, 
these fish are both great sources of protein, but also um, a vitamin D. Yes. So, or speaking of fish, you could try one of my favorites, <laughs> sardines, especially. <laughs> Not my favorite. <laughs> mix it with a little tuna. You'll never know it's in there. But it's the sardines are really good if they are canned yeah. with the bones. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, like, one to, I call it like a one-to-one ratio, or yeah. it's like, like treats like. So yep. eating those sardine bones the calcium in there, the minerals in there, your body just absorbs them yep. and uses them really well. And again, just if you're kind of concerned about trying sardines, <laughs> don't be scared. Try to convince me, Brenna. <laughs> um, just mix it with tuna or the canned salmon. Okay. Um, again, if the canned salmon has the bones in it, same yeah. kind of good qualities there. And then serve it over a bed of spinach, maybe sprinkle it with some sesame seeds. Because both spinach and sesame seeds are good sources of calcium and magnesium. And those are really important for bone building minerals yeah and before while we were on break we did have a caller on the line and i understand she had a question about men and stress fractures mm-hmm. and i'm kind of thinking because we were talking about that yeah. and i remember having i think one or two guys on my high school cross-country team yep. or track team who ended up with stress fractures in their feet yep and mine as well my husband's a runner and he ran in college and he had one in his foot as well so and so the only I'm sure there's probably a diet connection there. Yeah. But I also think that running, whether it's on grass or track, when you're constantly doing it year round, it's just, it's really hard on your bone structure. Yep, it definitely is. And so things that they can do, right? Like, so we know we need, we need calcium, right? Right. Calcium. We need vitamin D. We need magnesium for that proper bone growth. Little Um, vitamin K2. Little vitamin K2, exactly. And we need to not be eating tons of sugar, right? Because we know lots of sugar is going to, Leach, leach some minerals out of the bones. We know pop does that, too much carbonation. Or Gatorade. Yeah, so a lot of things like that. Those could be things, you know. To look at. For a man, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, before break, we had been talking about just how in times of high stress or starvation, the last thing our body is going to do yep. is make hormones mm-hmm. to make babies. Which is a good thing. Yeah, and the female athlete triad is frequently seen in young women with eating or disorders, mm-hmm. such as anorexia or bulimia and I have to say I didn't have an eating disorder but I was definitely not eating enough to fuel my exercise or hormone production in fact I was what people would term a late bloomer (laughs) (laughs) and the only time I did get my period was the one or two times when I couldn't run and I was stuck with that boot yeah and that stress fracture yeah so so after you know you were telling us that they the doctor then put you on birth control pills so after they gave you that, you know, synthetic estrogen. Did that help? Uh, it sure did. I was stress fracture free for a good five years, hmm. but it was just a Band-Aid and it did not address the actual issue of calorie imbalance. And unfortunately, the female athlete triad was just not well understood by physicians back in the 90s and the early 2000s. And even now, just putting young women on the pill is just kind of standard treatment. Yeah, and it's funny because they did that exact same thing to me as well. So it's like, you know, they just see those young women. They're not getting the periods. They think, you know, they didn't tell me to eat more. And I no. probably needed to eat more than I was for how much I was running. But Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. So so instead, you know, instead of recommending that you eat more to naturally produce those hormones, um, they're simply replacing what your body has now stopped making um, without really explaining you know, I didn't know why I wasn't getting my cycle anymore either. No, and they that I think is, I wish at that time I had just kept asking more questions like yeah. why. And mm-hmm. 
I I remember specifically the first night that I had to take that little pill and I was flipping through yeah. the, the little, little packet the <laughs> packet that comes with it and it's telling you all the side effects. And I started to cry because yeah. I looked at my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is going to kill me. Yeah. Because I'm reading the side effects and it's talking about like blood clots in your legs yeah. and yeah. I forget what else. And my mom looked at me and she goes, well, you either take it and hopefully help your bones and you can keep running or you don't take it and you don't run. Yeah. So not, you know, no good options there for you. (laughs) No, I'm like, hmm, well, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, I did. And during college, I learned a little bit more about the female athlete triad, but it was really limited to about one paragraph in a textbook. Yeah. Oh, no. Did you read much? You know, we, we talked about it a little bit, and I know the standard treatment was like, you know, to have them talk to the doctor about birth control. I, I mean, we as nutrition students, I think you probably, they probably said like, we knew that there wasn't enough calories, but I think with that population, sometimes it's hard to convince them to, to get more calories in. I think yes. that's a whole nother topic in itself, but, you know, runners like to be at a lower weight typically to run better. So there's a very, you know, there's a dangerous zone there with girls and those kind of, those kind of sports, Absolutely. not just runners. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of other endurance sports. So, Looking back, I think, you know, we both agree, we already said that our diets could have been better. You know, we could have been eating more. We could have been eating the, like, better things to support our bone health. Yeah, we just, we didn't know. And my mom had followed the Weight Watchers low-fat meal plan for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. even before I was born. And we were just a lower-fat family. And most days, my breakfast was, you know, skim milk and cereal. Yeah. Or, I don't know, did you ever drink the Carnation Instant Breakfast? Yes, I did. The chocolate one. (laughs) Yeah, right? The chocolate or the mocha. Yep. Huge glass of skim milk. And then in junior high, I started to bring my own lunch to school because I was kind of like, I think some of the stuff that they're feeding me isn't all that healthy. Yeah. Unfortunately, what I packed, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich along with an Mm -hmm. apple and low-fat yogurt and more skim milk. No fat in there. (laughs) No fat, really. Um, Not, no protein in there either. And wasn't a whole lot better than what they were serving at school. And supper was frequently hamburger helper with a side of steamed broccoli and Mm -hmm. another glass of skim skim milk. milk. Because you need skim milk for your bones. That's what what everybody tells you. Right. But apparently or obviously I was not utilizing the calcium from that skim milk. And then to top it off, low fat ice cream for dessert. (laughs) (laughs) With more sugar in it too, right? More sugar. So to a lot of people, you know, they're probably thinking like, Right that sounds pretty good. That's, I mean, that's similar to how I grew up, and I didn't think I was unhealthy. You know, I know that's how, when I go to friend's house, that's how that's everyone how ate around me. And everybody would sit there at lunch, and they'd be like, oh, wow, you eat so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I, too, ate a lot of things like that. You know, I would say in college, I thought I was being really healthy. I ate tons and tons of oatmeal. Yes. Um, high fiber, like, kashi cereals. Oh, yes. I thought that was good. Always, always a whole wheat peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch. For lunch. You know, for college for a lot and of years. And carrot sticks. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly, carrot sticks. So, and I thought, you know, I thought I was doing a good thing. You know, we were, you probably did something like that in college. We were in school learning about this stuff, but still not always getting even the right education the, from our institutions. No, and I think it was one of those where we were both striving to be the best dietitians yes. we could And they be. eat whole wheat bread and carrots and, and low-fat milk. <laughs> low-fat milk and no protein. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, but what I didn't realize that all those carbohydrates, so oatmeal is a carb, you know, the cereals are carbs, the bread is carbs. Um, the jelly is a carb. Yes, the jelly is a carb. So all of those things are breaking down into sugar um, in our bloodstream. And so sometimes that's a weird concept to think of, you know, 
Candy turns into sugar, right? We know that, but things like bread and cereal, even those Kashi whole grain cereals. Yes, and if you top that Kashi whole grain cereal off with skim milk or like vanilla almond milk and then a huge banana, it's carbs on top of carbs. And I did almond milk because, you know, I was starting to feel like, I don't know if I should eat dairy, but even that wasn't even a great choice because those carton almond milk, I think a lot of people buy those probably thinking they're getting... A lot of good healthy fats, but it's a lot of water. It's a really watered-down version. Not that it's a bad thing to drink. We just don't want people consuming it as a fat source. Right, exactly. So so the problem with this, you know, the reason we're kind of, you know, harping on all this low-fat stuff is that without enough fat, the calcium from milk, so if you're drinking milk, so if you're drinking that skim milk without that fat, the the calcium has nowhere to adhere in the bones. So it's really that fat that helps to get calcium to adhere in your bones, right? Yeah. it's. I always tell people, I sell, every cell in your body has a ring of fat around it. Yep. From the top of your head down to your toenails. Yep. Every cell has this membrane of fat. And if you aren't supporting that fatty acid membrane, yeah. then the good stuff can't get yeah. into the cell. Yep. You know, we can't get the junk stuff out. Yeah. And nothing works. Yep. And most people probably remember that. Everyone probably took a biology class in high school, right? That phospholipid bilayer. That's, you know, I always <laughs> big remember. Word. It is a big word, but I think most people took a basic biology. And that's really every cell in your body has that. Yes. And so that's why we need those fats to keep protecting those cells. And it's kind of like the calcium starts floating by and it kind of gets trapped or stuck yep. in that fatty layer. But if you're not eating fat, you can't can't absorb it. Yep. But we do need to go to break here. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Winter is fast approaching, and before we know it, 2015 will be here. So did you accomplish all of your 2014 health goals? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? (laughs) It's not too late. Not too late. It's never too late. And let Brittany, our newest weight and wellness dietitian, guide you through the grocery store and teach you which foods to put in your grocery cart and which to leave out in order to support your metabolism and overall health. I think that's great. I think a lot of our clients are like, would you just walk me through the grocery store and, just tell, <laughs> and tell me, me what to put in my cupboards? Exactly. So Brittany's going to do that for everybody. Yeah. And Brittany will be leading the tours at the St. Paul Kowalski's on Wednesday, November 5th from 1230 to 2. And at the St. Paul Cub Foods on Thursday, November 6th from 630 to 8 p.m. Now, to sign up, just simply go online to weightandwellness.com or call our offices at 651-641, or no, 659-3438, if I get that right there. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Jamie Carlson, registered and licensed dietitian. So have you ever noticed that, you know, if you're a mom or, you know, you've got little or younger kids running, have you ever noticed that a lot of times teens aren't hungry in the morning? Um, so even if your athlete or your child doesn't want to eat, it's really essential that they get adequate nutrients to support their, their health and, you know, their brain, that growing body right away in the morning. So, you know, one tactic that helps a lot of our clients um, and many, many parents is to whip up like a smoothie for them. So, with some, you know, whey protein powder, some fruit, some coconut milk. Um, Then their teen can grab this, you know, take it on the bus, drink it on the way to school, or drink it when they get to school and they, you know, end up being hungry. So um, studies have shown that whey protein actually improves muscle repair and reduces stress hormones, which is great. Um, So we offer a lot of different whey proteins um, at Nutritional Weight Wellness um, that can be incorporated into the smoothie for breakfast or just mixed up in water um, for a post-workout snack. So Stop at any of our offices and you can check out. I think we have like three different flavors. So if you have any questions um, 
for me and Brenna in the studio today. Call us at 651-641-1071. And it's so funny because I had a client that was like this this week. Um, very much, you know, he's a teenager and trying to put on some more muscle. And yeah. he's going to be doing like cross-country skiing yeah. and, you know, playing other sports. And, it you know, I was like, well, what are you having for breakfast? And he goes, oatmeal. Yeah. And I go, that is not enough. No, like, I shouldn't be eating way more than you are. You know? I told him that because I we kind of went through and I looked at him and I go, you realize I eat more than you do. <laughs> yeah. And so our solution, I said, you know, how would you feel about, you know, going to school and having a smoothie that you could take with yeah. you? And he was all for it. Yeah. Um, Those work great for people that always say, like, I'm not really hungry in the morning. So sometimes sitting down to eggs and veggies, that's well, not appealing. So a smoothie works. You know, great. his class starts at 730 in the morning. And mm, so I totally understand. You're just like, wait, yeah. I got up at like 7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not ready to eat no, yet. No, definitely not. Uh, but so today we've been talking about the female athlete triad and just kind of a little bit my experience, but your experience, too, yeah. on how when we were in high school, Stress fractures from running, being put on the birth control pill because our bodies were not making enough progesterone or estrogen. Not eating enough to support how much we were working out. Working out, exactly. And I really wish I could go back and just tell myself to drink whole milk. Yeah. Drink whole milk Mm -hmm. and eat eggs instead of cereal and carnation instant breakfast. (laughs) You know, I think a a lot of our clients say that, you know, they wish they could, you know, go back and redo things that they now know. And so, you know. I would have told myself to eat eggs and avocados in the morning again and not, you know, not just my carnation breakfast or cereal or something like that. Right. As and good as they tasted, you know, they weren't or we thought always they feeling tasted. my Yeah, they weren't always feeling my body right. And unfortunately, we can't go back. We can only move forward in our health journeys. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a female or you're, you know, a recreational exerciser who exercises a lot, um, you know, what can you do to avoid this female athlete triad? Well, the triad isn't just limited to teenagers. Yeah. It can affect women of really, I would say, childbearing age, certainly, yeah. but even postmenopausal. Yeah, exactly, because um, they got so much changes in hormones there, too. Exactly. And the key is to match calorie intake to calorie expenditure. Now, I know we don't talk about calories a lot, mm-hmm. but this is a case where it is really important to make sure yeah. that we're taking in enough calories, enough nutrients. And match that to our exercise. Yeah, now, I would even say, like, make sure we get enough food, you know, enough, enough protein, carbs, and fat when we're eating to support that. Yes. So. Now, someone who is a long-distance runner or a triathlete will typically have the hardest time doing this. It's like when you have that chronic long-duration cardio yep. is a big problem. But dancers, swimmers, gymnasts, soccer and tennis players, volleyball players, mm-hmm. they really all need to be aware of it too, since they put a lot of stress on their bones and their joints. Yep, definitely. You know, so simply listening to hunger cues um, can be difficult for athletes because, you know, I know a lot of people probably know they're not always starving right after they work out. So especially if it's hot, if they've just done a training session outside. So, oh yeah, when it was like 100 degrees and you get done running, you just want water. Yeah. So, you know, but refueling after long or intense exercise is really important. So, you know, we're not recommending people go chug a bunch of Gatorade or Powerade, something like that. Um, that stuff is packed with sugar, different artificial ingredients. Um, the colors that they use in the, them yeah. are neurotoxins. Uh, They're terrible for your brain. Yeah. And think, I mean, people give that to kids in place of juice, which I know we're never trying to demonize parents. You know, parents are just trying to do their best, right? Exactly. But we're just trying to help you know that that's not the right, you know, right choice for those little kids. No. So instead of... 
like the Gatorade or something, that's where the Endura yeah. that yep. we sell at our offices would be yep. a better choice. Yep, replace those electrolytes after a hard workout. So, Or, you know, doing a protein smoothie that we just talked about. So doing some fresh fruit, some whey protein powder, and some coconut milk. And that's that going to really, easy. and it's refreshing. So you get done with mm-hmm. that hard workout when you're hot and you're sweaty. Yep. Kind of helps cool things down and yep. much more appealing oftentimes than even thinking about like yes. solid food. Yep. Now, later on, when you are hungry, you need to eat a balanced meal. Now, (laughs) by balanced, many athletes and non-athletes think that that might mean a big bowl of pasta. Yeah. When I was in cross country, we always had the big pasta feed the week of a meet. Yeah. Did you do that? We did. And so today's actually the state cross country meet. And so I'm sure there was little runners all over there loading up on pasta (laughs) Pasta. the last few days. Oh, dear. But and the funny thing is, I remember especially the boys when they would be at these, like they would walk out of there and their little tummies because, of course, they're, you know, little tiny, so small small, and they would just be so bloated (laughs) from all the pasta. (laughs) But that pasta is just a lot of carbohydrates and it's missing the protein needed to rebuild muscle, Mm -hmm. the fats needed to support estrogen and progesterone and Mm -hmm. testosterone production. So it's just. It's not the right food choice. No, definitely not. You know, so for my post-workout type meals, um, you know, I'll a lot of times do that smoothie. That seems, you know, especially mm-hmm. summertime if it's it's really warm. Um, but then, you know, later on or right after from hungry, I just try to do some kind of like a cooked protein, whether that's um, breakfast, I'm doing eggs or chicken. Um, and then I'll melt some butter or some coconut oil over, you know, some Brussels sprouts, some sweet potatoes um, for my healthy fats and the carbs. So anything else you do, Brenna? Uh, well, I tend to work out a lot in the morning right away. So yeah. it's like I get up, go to the gym, come back, and that's when I might do the eggs yeah. and some kind of veggies. I really like sweet potato. Yeah. Or right now, yeah. my new thing is you can take a squash, like a whole winter squash. Did you know this? Okay. <laughs> this is so squash. cool. You take the whole squash like a butternut or an yeah. acorn or something, and you just stick it in the crock pot. Like, do you put water in it too? No, you don't have oh, to. I just sometimes put a little bit of water in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could put like yeah. a half a cup in there. And then you just stick the crock pot on low for like six to eight hours or on high yeah. for four. And it's so much easier than trying to like hack into it with yeah. a machete. And That's, Yeah, those things are dangerous. <laughs> I've had some near near bad incidences with those. But Brett, I have a question for you. So, you know, a lot of times from clients that work out in the morning, their question is, what do I do before? What do I do? I eat something? Do I wait? You know, we always want people to eat within like, you know, 30 minutes of waking. So what do you do? I tend to get up and I don't like to work out with a lot of food on my stomach. Yeah. So it kind of depends upon the day, but oftentimes I will grab a couple of like our oatmeal almond balls yeah. that I just keep in the freezer. Um, in the past, I've done, what have I done? Uh, maybe a piece of like gluten-free toast with just a little peanut butter okay. on it, okay. or I even like just either a half or a whole rice cake with okay. a little almond butter. Okay. Just a little something, but yep. I'm not... So a little bit of carb and a little bit of fat. Yeah, just a little bit of something. I've, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what do I have that I can just have a few bites? But, you know, and I think that's important, right? Because we know your blood sugar is already low, right? Because you just woke up. And Mm -hmm. then you're going to go work out your body, which working out lowers your blood sugar, right? Because those sugars in your blood are going in your muscles to Mm -hmm. get burned up. And so then post-workout, I have so many people say they're just like beat, you know, zonked. And then they just like want to stop and pick up carbs. (laughs) So I think eating a little something before really does help that because you need that blood Mm -hmm. sugar to be up a little bit. A small piece of fruit works really well, like half a banana, clementine. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And we're almost coming up on break here, but 
you know, before we do that, I just really want to say that the ultimately the treatment goal when dealing with the female athlete triad is to restore adequate calorie intake so that regular menstrual cycles return and appropriate bone formation can occur. So this really does mean that of all these wonderful foods we've been talking about, athletes probably need to eat at, you know, three meals and two to three snacks each day, depending upon their schedule. Yeah. And you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you suffer from migraines or other frequent headaches? Have you made a food connection to your headaches? After years of experience, the counselors at Nutritional Weight and Wellness know that gluten, dairy, caffeine, and alcohol are all headache triggers and migraine triggers. Mm -hmm. But we've also found that aged cheese such as blue cheese, peanuts, and chocolate are also trigger foods for migraines. Now, these foods all carry mold spores that create inflammation in the brain. Mm -hmm. That's kind of scary. Yeah. It definitely is. So if you have migraines, try removing these top food triggers, gluten, alcohol, peanuts, dairy, including those aged cheeses, and chocolate, and see if your migraines don't go away. And we'll be right back. Want to bring the great information you hear each week on Dishing Up Nutrition to your workplace? Well, you can. Nutritional Weight and Wellness teaches classes at companies all over the Twin Cities. Whether your office is large or small, they have a class that's right for you. Choose a popular lunch and learn class, such as Foods for Great Energy, Stress Busting Foods, or the Food Mood Connection. Longer classes like Nutrition for Memory and Focus are perfect for wellness days. These fun and formative classes help you make good nutrition choices at work and at home. What happens? when you and your co-workers eat healthier foods. Employees notice increased energy, focus, and stable moods. Employers notice less absenteeism, higher productivity, and improved management of chronic conditions. A healthy workplace leads to healthier, happier employees. Plus, it's easier to make good choices or lose weight with the support of co-workers. To bring nutrition classes to your office, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438 or go to weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Again, I'm Jamie Carlson, registered and licensed dietitian. Um, I'm here with Brenna Thompson, who's also a dietitian. Today we've been talking about uh, the female athlete triad. So this is that connection between exercise, hormones, and bone health. So research from 2009 estimates that 78% of high school athletes have one or more aspects of this triad. So if you or your daughter or, you know, niece or granddaughter um, struggles with abnormal or missing periods, that would be one. Um, frequent injuries to bones or joints. Um, let us suggest to make an appointment with one of our nutritionists um, so we can help prevent a lot of these future problems that might occur. It's Prevention is the best medicine. Definitely. It so, really is. Yeah, and, you know, we just want to sit down and um, discuss necessary diet changes that are needed to support hormone balance, um, improve performance too, definitely. Oh, Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Reduce inflammation um, and promote healing. So, so if you or a teen want to take a class, actually this Wednesday, right? Yes. This Wednesday. Brenna's going to be teaching nutrition for young adults. So this would be like for your teens um, in Maple Grove um, from 430 to six. So if you want to do that uh, class, you can call um, 651-699-3438 or if you're interested in doing an appointment with a nutritionist, same number for that. So. Right. And if anybody's got questions for us in studio today, the number is 651-641-1071. And what I love about our nutrition for young adults is that it's not just for the parents. Yeah. We really do want 
the students or the teens yeah. to come with them. Mm-hmm. And we do have a question, or we do have a caller here. So good morning, Miss Ann. You have a question for us? Ann, are you there? Yes. Hi, Ann. You have a question? Yes. Earlier you were talking about um, smoothies in the morning for people who aren't hungry. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if they like them sweet, I, I was told that if you put fruit into a blender, you automatically raise the glycemic index. I would probably say that is true, yes. Well, what if you use a little sweet potato? Would that do the same thing? Uh, so you're kind of making like a sweet potato or I would say maybe a pumpkin smoothie? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, just to sweeten it a little bit. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the, you can put that fruit in there. You know, it will raise the glycemic index. But the thing is, right, we're, we told you to put protein powder in there and, and a healthy fat, right? So those are going to help lower, lower. That, that blood sugar spike. So the frozen fruit isn't anything to be too concerned about. But what Brett was saying, we have a good recipe for a pumpkin smoothie. Or you could probably try like a sweet potato smoothie as well. I think that'd be good and put some yeah. cinnamon in it. Yeah. Very fall-esque, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank yeah. you. Okay, great. Thanks for calling, Ann. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, so where were we? We were talking about this female athlete triad and the fact that if you're running or exercising a lot, mm-hmm. not eating enough, yeah. our body will shut down even the most routine body function, so hormone production. And again, for girls and women, this is very closely related to their estrogen and progesterone production. So why is eating and balance so important for enough for this? Well, we need to eat enough so that our body makes those hormones. And then when we have those hormones, the estrogen and the progesterone, then those hormones help shuttle calcium into our bones. Yeah. So, you know, this is typically seen when a woman loses her menstrual cycle during long bouts or high-intensity training. Right. And unfortunately, some girls think that that's kind of a badge of honor, interpreting the loss of their menstrual cycle as, hey, I'm exercising harder than you. I must be a better athlete than you. But it's not. It's really dangerous, and it's unhealthy, and a sign that the body is underfed. Yep, and they'll probably end up sitting out part of a season, right, mm-hmm. if that happens because of an, you're, you're such at a higher risk of injury when that happens too. So, mm-hmm. you know, without that adequate estrogen and progesterone, um, the body, like we said, cannot um, deposit calcium and other minerals into the bones. That's why that structure of the bones gets so weak. Exactly, and we do have another caller here. Good morning, Miss Amy. You have a question for us? Uh, yes. Um, I had been in and I'd seen one of the um, nutritionists in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of stomach issues, like basically from a teenager to the time I was about 35. So I came in and I have been on the birth control again since I was probably 20. until uh, the time I was about 38. And okay. my doctor initially put me on it because I my periods were very irregular. Okay. And so now my stomach is feeling awesome. Um, however, because when I was on the pill so long, I was really not having any discharge. My normal, you know, primary care doctor said that was typical after you've been on it for so long. So I got off of the pill, um, and that was actually recommended by you guys. Mm -hmm. And I did an estrogen cleanse and I tried the progesterone cream Mm -hmm. and because I was having trouble sleeping at night, the progesterone cream, all it did for me was I ended up getting some 
um, black hair on my neck, like so hair girl. So I stopped mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And now, um, so I'm hormone free and my diet is like the best it's ever been. I'm yeah. eating six meals a day. I'm eating a lot of fat and that kind of stuff. But just by taking all the processed food out, I've lost about 20 pounds. Wow. That's so great, my, Amy. Well, I don't know if I need it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Not- my, my gynecologist now who I'm seeing, she is, she put me back on the pill okay. because she's worried about my bones. And oh, I'm taking, okay. you know, I've always taken the calcium supplements, the vitamin D. So, and I'm taking a ton of supplements from you guys. So I feel really good in all those ways, but you know, now she's saying you need to either gain weight, but I'm, I'm confused mm-hmm. not by just gaining weight again, because even when I was say 15 pounds heavier, I still wasn't getting my period. Like my whole life, my period's been like kind of a roller coaster. And so I'm just wondering, is there anything else that I, you know, could be doing or should be doing? Amy, were you ever, did they ever actually test your hormones or did they ever check you for something called polycystic ovarian syndrome? Yes, and because that's what my gynecologist mm-hmm. thought. This was the first time that anyone had to mention that to me, but she goes, I want to check that. And so she did like the ultrasound and she said, my, um, I don't have that. To my lining, my uterus is very, very thin, mm-hmm. meaning that with the estrogen kind of like imbalance. And she, and she didn't even test my estrogen levels because she said even if you were in the low to normal range, it wouldn't matter because you're not having your period. So something's not right. Well, it's interesting that you said something about the black hairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes women who are a little bit thinner, who do exercise, they can develop PCOS, but it's mm-hmm. not always seen by the typical symptoms. But I only noticed that when I was using the progesterone cream. Interesting. Okay. Um, and so I, I stopped, I saw electrolysis yeah. and I stopped that and I don't have that problem anymore. Don't have it anymore. So, okay, that's good. You know, she, you know, she said, just don't use that. Yeah. I would, so are you needing to gain weight at this point or what? Well, my, my, um, the gynecologist said, she said, you know, basically I'm going to put you on this very, very low dose, um, estrogen, like breast control pill again. She goes, mm-hmm. you don't have to do it, but that's what I'm recommending because long-term I'm worried about your bones. Yep. And, um, she said, you know, the other thing is to try to gain weight and I'm not opposed to gaining weight, even though like, this is where my body has kind of like, I'm not losing weight right now. So yeah. it's like stabilized for the last year. And it's confusing to me because now I'm eating like, you know, before I did go in college, I went through this huge thing. I didn't eat fat. I didn't eat protein. I ate all carbs. Now I feel like I'm eating so good. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I don't even know how to eat actually more. I mean, I'm going to, I guess, put more of like the sweet potatoes and stuff. But I, I mean, like people around me, I eat eat so much more than they do. And that's kind of how (laughs) my body responded to like, you know, maybe just cutting out like, because I did cut out dairy and gluten. Um, for my stomach issues. So, you know, my, the gynecologist said, yes, you know, you can try gaining some weight and see if that'll help. But even again, when I was 15 pounds heavier, I wasn't having my period. It can take a while for a menstrual cycle to regulate back to normal too. Even when like girls or women get back up to a regular body weight. Oh, it took, Mm -hmm. it can take years. If you've been on the pill for a Mm -hmm. long time, it can take quite a while to, to get that re-regulated. I would say if you're looking to try and gain the weight but not do it with junk food or processed foods, just instead of having maybe like half a cup of sweet potato or rice, go with a whole cup. Pick it up, yeah. And Mm -hmm. then make sure that you're having a good two tablespoons of fat fat Mm -hmm. at every meal. Well, for sure I do that because I'm using a ton of like uh, organic olive oil and coconut oil and nuts and stuff. 
Um, I guess my question was, besides the regular calcium that I'm taking, and I think from you guys, um, Leah is, is who I saw. She recommended the reactive calcium. Okay. Should I be doing, any, and I'm doing the 5,000 um, I use of vitamin D, but should I be doing any of your other supplements? You know, like I know you've got the, um, I think you were talking about like the osteovantin, or I know that you guys have a few other bone, like, mm. Right. I would make more condensed. You know, we are about ready to run out of time. I okay. would give Leah a call or shoot her an email. Yeah. Okay. Um, and ask her some more questions. Go in and make another appointment to yeah, see I her again. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen her for a while. So, okay. Yes. I will do that. All right. Well, okay. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And I hope you all have a wonderful, happy first day of November. Life, I love you. All is Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.